Hey everybody, welcome to Anime Stroganoff. I'm Lilith. And I'm Eli. And today we will be talking about The World God Only Knows. The The title is not really at all descriptive of what is contained within, in my opinion. Nah, not at all. It's a very, it's a very uh, evocative title, though, I would say. So, originally I wanted to cover the entire series in one podcast but i quickly realized that that was not a good idea how many episodes are there uh it has three seasons or three cores oh okay that's yeah no that there's no way you're getting through that yeah considering i went into hyper anime viewing mode the night before when i started season two yeah there was there's no way I was gonna get through season three before before we had to record. But hey, that just means that we can talk about season three in another episode, because I do think season three is worth talking about. Okay, so where to start? Uh, I guess at the beginning. I mean, okay, we so could it, do this in media res, but. Okay, so in the beginning, there was nothing. Then, there was something. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to go further back. I'm already lost. (laughs) Okay, so before there was nothing, there was something that was dead. And before that... Hang on, I'm going to need to keep going back. (laughs) So, if if you've read any uh, elementary... Theoretical physics. I- I'm getting I'm getting off topic. You see, when a whale loves a dragon. <laughs> no, it's all turtles all the way down. Okay, so anyways. The World God Only Knows is a anime, obviously. Our protagonist is Katsuragi Keima, who is 17 years old and a master gamer. However... The important thing here is that he's not like a Kirito type gamer where he's like, oh, I'm so cool. You know, I'm, I'm just. Doesn't, I'm... He, doesn't he play a lot of like romance games on his PSP? Yeah. Kama plays dating sims. That's pretty much the only ga- type of game he plays. So wouldn't you say he's more of a master dating sim guy than a master gamer overall? Yeah, I would that that that's probably accurate. He is uh he is renowned as the uh, god of conquest because he's beaten so many dating sims. He knows exactly how more or less how every single one's going to go because he's really good at dating sims. And uh as or are they this, just that bad? A little bit of it, column A, a little bit of column B. Um but in any case, so as of the beginning of the series, his claim to fame is that he's uh, conquered 10,000 heroines. It's not necessarily 10,000 games, but it's still a lot of games. I mean, if you include all the routes, uh, I've, I've never actually played a dating sim. So like, other, let's assume like three each. Yeah, anywhere from one to five. So yeah, three is a good number. Okay, so... 10,000 divided by 3. 
So that, that's like 3,000 games, if we assume, like, on the high end. Yeah. An average amount of about 3,000 games, give or take. Probably more. That's a lot. Yeah. That's, like, almost approaching my Steam library. <laughs> Your unplayed Steam library? Of course. Of is there is there any other type of Steam library? That is a very good point. In any case, so he is kind of obsessed with uh, dating Sims. So most of the time that we see him, he's just playing uh, playing on his uh, PFP, which is just a PSP. It's amazing how many games were published for the PSP in his world. It's, it's kind of silly. Well, maybe he, he didn't play them all on PSP. That is... Well, see, that's a good point, because we'll get to that later. Oh, so this is going to be a plot point. Sort of. But most of the time when he's out and about and not at his house, he's playing on his PSP. Including, In fact, he plays pretty much 24-7. In class, on the toilet, swimming, showering, bathing... Um, eating, like I said, 24-7. If he could play in his sleep, he probably would. I'm sure Elon Musk is working on it. <laughs> Quite possibly. In any case, um, so since he's the god of conquest, he gets a lot of mail, or emails about like, oh, hey, how do I beat this game? It's kind of weird because since it's just dating sims, shouldn't be that hard but then again i don't play a lot of dating sims so there might be like like oh how do i is there any special conditions to unlock this the golden ending yeah gold ending and stuff in any case so he gets Got a 100 percent for those achievements <laughs> absolutely gotta get that gamer score up absolutely <laughs> so in any case he uh he gets a message about a a uh, a new conquest that might be too hard for him so he's like I can do that, bitch. So when he presses the reply button on the email, the sky darkens and lightning strikes the school because he's playing on the roof of his school at the time. And down from the heavens comes a girl with a skull accessory uh, in her hair, wielding a uh, rhymant and a broom. And uh, she takes him off to go recover lost souls or loose souls so basically by pressing the reply button he signed a contract with a demon from hell named Elsie so, and if he fails to uphold his contract or tries to break it he will be decapitated and if he dies then Elsie dies and vice versa and so uh, loose souls dwell in peop in the uh, emptiness in people's hearts. So he has to take that place in the heart in their hearts by making the afflicted person fall in love with him. Says uh, this show has a very deep lore. You you'd be surprised. Wait till we get to season three. Oh God. Okay. So I I watched. I rewatched the first two seasons because the first two seasons are very, very similar in uh, in setup. And I'm just, I'm not going, I'm only going to be going barely over 
the conquests that aren't important or that I don't like because uh, it's it's a very episodic type of storytelling arc based uh very self-contained like there's mentions of the previous things but outside of Kama and Elsie nobody really pays attention so it means you can very easily skip over some arcs uh which I think the longest one is like three episodes which is cool anyways so first episode we got introduced to uh the situ- the setup of the show and so our first conquest target is Takahara Ayumi who is a track runner person at the school yeah yeah Basically, How are her high jumps? Uh, she doesn't do the high jump. She mostly does hurdles. So it, it this first in this first uh what call it first conquest. Um, what call it? Kama tries to weasel out of it by saying that uh, since Ayumi doesn't have her hair tied up, he can't do it. Because that's, I guess, a, uh, a stereotype of track girls in dating sims. Is that they have their hair tied up. Which, she does end up tying her hair up. And he's like, ah, crap. I actually have to do this. <laughs> so basically, his... As we his, all know, ponytails are the, the harbinger of doom. Naturally. The only thing more dangerous is twin tails. For more information on this, go check out uh, Wanna Be the Twin Tail, a 100% accurate documentary on the power of twin tails. 100% accurate. 100% accurate. In any case, so basically his plan to woo her is uh, he sets up a bunch of banners to cheer her on. And he does this uh, for five days in a row. It's it's kind of silly because it's like those big like advertising banners, I guess. Yes. As tall as a building. It's it's so stupid. On the first day, he gets punched, but by the fourth day, she just ignores him. Um. Also, on the fourth day, he finds out about some like seniors bullying her. And on the fifth day, she sprains her ankle uh, while running the hurdles. And uh, everybody gets upset because she won't be able to run in the meet uh, the next day. So Kama sends her uh, best wishes and a fruit basket. (laughs) And basically what happens is that she just she only pretended to sprain her ankle. Just the 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 stress of it all. Yeah, pretty much. It's like it's imposter syndrome, basically. She's like, I'm, I I was fast once, and I've never beaten that time. Why should I bother running in this uh, running in the meet? 
she ends up winning the meet uh, after they take care of everything. Um, but in any case, so Kama and her uh, end up kissing, releasing the lost soul. And uh, Elsie recovers it. Then, like I said, yeah, Ayumi goes on to win first place at her track meet. And Kama goes back to his games. And another part of the contract, whenever lost, whenever the loose souls are recovered, the uh, person who was possessed by them loses all memory of the, uh, of the conquest. But Kama doesn't. Okay, so after the first conquest, we get a little breather episode where Elsie moves into Kama's house and also transfers into his class. Uh, her cover story is that she is uh, his sister. Oh, that's gonna end well. <laughs> specifically, uh, his illegitimate half-sister by his father. Why did she go that specific? Well, because well, the mom would probably realize that she hadn't had another kid. Like, she couldn't have just, like, said, oh, I'm your cousin? She could have. But I in mean, any case... like, everyone's got cousins. Cousins are all over the place. This is very true. In any case, uh, Kama's mom, when she <laughs> hears this excuse for her to hang out with Kama, uh, Kama's mom goes off calls her husband and threatens to rip his balls off. That's uh that's a uh, that's certainly one possible reaction to have. Yeah, and then uh, she goes off to go talk to a lawyer about divorce. So did she just ruin an entire marriage? Basically. Because she couldn't be asked to think of an actual decent excuse. Yeah, pretty much. To be fair, we never really meet Kama's dad, so I don't know if that makes it better. <laughs> I think that makes it worse. Probably. In any case, uh, Kama refuses to accept her as even like a fake sister because she doesn't meet the uh, requirements for being a little sister character in his dating sims. What are those requirements? Okay, so he there's three requirements. You have to, I think you have to meet all three to be a good little sister character, but uh, meeting, I guess, two of them is all right. So it's blood. You got to have like familial ties, which they so do not. So a cousin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> memories, uh, like familial memories. And the last one is Moe. You have to be Moe. Obviously, she can't go away just because he doesn't want her there. Because we need the pl we need we need her to be there for the plot. So she she stays. Obviously. And also in episode two, we meet a little uh, background character who likes to tease Kama. She'll be important later, but not right now. Okay, so second conquest. He is uh 
of Aoyama Mio, who's a rich girl who turns out to be not actually that rich anymore and is really stuck up and lonely. And Kama ends up winning her heart and they collect the loose soul from her. I feel like collecting the loose soul could be used as a euphemism. <laughs> okay, so basically, when when they collect the loose soul, here's what happens. So they kiss, and then yes. the loose soul just kind of flies out of them. Like it's uh, like a spirit is no longer possessing them, kind of thing. Yes. And then Elsie takes a little jar that's a big jar and then sucks it into it and then turns the big jar into a little jar anyways so yeah that's uh so yeah that one takes place over the back half of episode two and the whole of episode three episode four far more interesting in my opinion is a breather episode as kama tries to beat a buggy broken mess of a game as he tried console commands it's on the PSP, so I don't see, think he's capable. That's why. That, see, that's why you gotta you gotta go PC. <laughs> okay, so here here is the uh, here 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 is the uh, here's the game. So first of all, it had a like super expensive collector's edition when it came out, with just a bunch of random crap in it two figures and an art book and a drama CD and a bunch of other crap that you're never going to use. The insinuation being they spent more time designing the merch than the game. <laughs> so Bethesda kind of also, they boast also in the advertisement for it. They boast about it being a two disc epic, but the disc, the second disc turns whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, wait. How do you have a multi-disc game on PSP? Well, see, because the second disc was actually a patch. I'm more confused. Probably, like, you have to download the patch off the second disc. Like, you load the game, you take it out, then you... Because you don't always, uh... Whatchamacallit? You don't, so, you, you don't actually have the entire story. game on the disc all the time. Let me get this straight. Yeah. They made the game as a single disc. Yes. Then they then they had to patch the game, so they put that on another disc. Yes. So that's that's not even a day one patch. That's like a negative day one patch. <laughs> yeah. The game oh. hadn't even shipped yet, and they decided to patch it. Yeah. Oh, but that's not at all. Because also the release date was pushed back 23 times. I think the game is cursed. Just a bit. Okay, so basically, here's where he, we uh, we get to see him in action. So it's somehow a super hard dating sim, but it's just it's hard because it's buggy as fuck. So basically, he got stuck on a bug where no matter which option he picked from yes or no, it would loop the scene he was in. So every t if he hit yes... It would ask him yes or no. If you hit no, it would ask him yes or no. With no way to go back. As he tried reloading his save. I'll get to that in a second. 
<laughs> so, let's, uh, I'm gonna just list off all of the issues with this game. Okay, so, first of all, two out of three times, the game will crash on startup. Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> okay, you can't save the game, or it will crash. That seems like a pretty serious bug. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, they didn't even fix that in the patch? No. <laughs> They couldn't fix the game not starting in the patch. Like the oh, day negative one patch. Oh no, not just that. Um there was five more patches after the uh after the release. And it still doesn't even work. <laughs> no. Okay, so the next issue is like the first choice in the game is go eat in the cafeteria or not. And if you go eat in the cafeteria, there's like 75 or something options to choose. And you have no idea how this is going to affect it. I mean, obviously, if you choose the red beans and rice over the vegetarian red beans and rice, it's going to make the character who likes dogs not like you. And her dog army won't come and rescue you when you're besieged in the castle. So yeah, see, you think it would be something cool like that, but no, it's, uh, there's only one heroine in the game. Sometimes the heroine's character model will be upside down. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you even break that? That's a it's a question. picture. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, the sound gets very choppy sometimes. And this is actually touted as a feature, not a bug. <laughs> working as intended. <laughs> Apparently. It gives you that full immersive experience of playing underwater. <laughs> uh, sometimes the character model will be replaced by like an old man for the heroine. <laughs> How? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, there's also a dodgeball minigame that pops up during the lunch scene that I mentioned. It has no explanation. And uh, after the sixth patch was announced, the company that was developing the game went out of business. I mean, I can't understand why. This game should have been <laughs> flying off the shelves. And so, basically, he went through and categorized every single choice he had to make to finally get past the looping bug, and he did. Only to encounter another bug that turned all of the text in the game to complete gibberish. <laughs> I just had to re I just had to remind myself this game isn't real. <laughs> According to the uh, to the end of the episode, he did eventually beat the game, but nobody cared. Of course, no one cared. <laughs> All right, here we go. On to the next conquest, the Idol Conquest, episodes five through seven. We've got Nakagawa Kanon, who is a uh, an up and coming idol, who is also a student at uh, Kema's school. So she's uh. Returning from a concert tour, I guess. And so everybody's really excited. And she's she's up on the roof 
like talking to herself, and Kame is up there too, playing games. When he doesn't recognize her, she pulls out a taser and repeatedly tases him. That is assault and battery. <laughs> yes. Very much so. <laughs> At one point she pulls out two tasers. Why does she why is she dual wielding tasers? <laughs> that is a very good question. I don't know. So she tased him because he didn't lather her with attention. Pretty much. And so after this, she decides to uh, make him a fan of her by uh, inviting him up to the roof of the school and putting on a private performance of her hit single for him. And right when she was about to dual tase him again, she had to leave via helicopter. She had to leave via helicopter. Yeah, she had like a idol stuff. I don't know. You know, idols. They, they got to do... It? Stop. Why doesn't she just get, like, homeschooled or something? <laughs> I don't know. Because the plot wouldn't happen if otherwise. In any case. But Kama reveals that, in actuality, he has not been ignoring her out of malice. Because she's the, she's the newest target. I uh, mean, he could have been just ignoring her because she's a bitch. Well, see, that that is also true. Cause, so, okay, so his plan is to ignore her. Until she gives up, at which point he's going to chase her. Because that's how it works in dating sims, I guess. In any case, and also, when she tased him, she wiped his save data, so... He's being a little bit of a dick. A little bit? This sounds entirely justifiable. <laughs> Fair enough. He's he's not paying attention to someone. That's, that's You don't even need to justify that. You can just not pay attention to people. I think that's allowed. Yeah, very true. But not canon. She she needs to be seen, recognized. So she performs again for him the next day. Which, again, he intentionally ignores. And this time, instead of tasing him, she disappears. Well, by disappear, I mean she turned transparent. So she disappears. Well, yes. She's still she... kind of visible if you, like, squint. She turns mostly invisible. Sounds like sounds like one of the people you'd find, like, the knockoff Justice League. Like, she can turn mostly <laughs> invisible. <laughs> For most people, she is completely invisible, but... I guess since Kama's contracted to a demon from hell, he can sort of see her. Which is cool. In any case, she tells them to show up again. So else, so that night, Elsie goes out to go uh, gather information at the local t TV station that Cannon is performing at. She gets kicked out, but she uh, meets some fans who fill her on, in on Cannon's backstory, which is very simply, she used to be in an idol group called Citron, who was uh, founded for the purpose of promoting its leader, Lime. And then Cannon turned out to be more popular and the group broke up. And now she doesn't do any songs from her time in the group. Okay. So, the next day, Kama shows up at the roof, but Cannon doesn't because she has a TV drama recording to go to. And she gets depressed and disappears again. 
So she emails Kama, and he shows up to, like, say, you can talk to me anytime. She has his email address? Uh, He wrote it on a CD that she gave him, and then he gave it back to her. Why? Plot convenience. Also, why email? Why not your phone number? That's a very good question. <laughs> Moving on. In any case, um, so she ends up messaging him for moral support uh, every few hours, more or less. Again, email. She She's emailing someone. Okay, email for in Japan is similar to texting because they could do it on flip phones. It, I think it might actually just be texting. Also, everybody has flip phones in this. I mean, it's anime. Would they not have a flip phone? Uh, more recent ones. They actually have smartphones, usually. In any case. So, now. After all that, Kama meets Canon outside uh, the big concert hall in town, where she will be performing for around 10,000 people. He gives her some head pats, and she runs off to prep for the concert. And then Elsie and Kama are musing about, like, oh, this might actually be over soon. And then, it, and then the can- and then the concert staff freak out because Cannon has disappeared. Again. So, turns out, again, uh, imposter syndrome. She has a history of uh, not really standing out or making an impression on people. And so her, like, supernatural thingy-majig manifested in her turning invisible whenever she gets depressed. And so she runs off to find Kama, and Kama runs off to find her, and they meet on a bridge right before her concert's supposed to start. And so... He, in- he convinces her not to rely on other people's validation of her existence and, like, to validate her own existence, I guess. And stop dual-wielding tasers and tasing people for not lavishing her with attention. He forgot to mention that. Because <laughs> so far I have zero sympathy for her. Fair enough. In any case, um, she kisses him. They recover the lost soul, and she goes off to uh, do her concert. Oh, and also, this uh, this was like the Christmas arc. <laughs> I forgot to mention that, because this, this whole arc takes place over, like, December. And then her big concert was on Christmas Eve, which, <laughs> very funny, in my opinion. In any case, so yeah, that's uh, that's the Idol Conquest. I, I I refuse to understand idols in general. <laughs> I just don't get them. Fair enough. All right. Uh, episode eight is a breather episode where Elsie tries to cook for Kama. And uh, she sort of succeeds, sort of fails. She may have let a bunch of monsters run loose in uh, the human world. Probably probably not an issue, right? Yeah, probably not an issue. Okay, so 9 through 11 is the library conquest. So to start to start this arc, 
Elsie start, makes a cake with too much flour, so it explodes. I don't think that's how cake works. <laughs> it does if you're from hell. So Kama tells her to go get some common sense about Japan, since the last thing she learned about Japan uh, before coming to it was the Perry Expedition. That explains what you sent me yesterday. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that that is the last thing she learned about Japan. So she knows nothing about modern day Japan, I guess. <laughs> so she decides to head to the school library to get information and ends up researching fire engines. Like she unlocks fire engines as a technology? No, she just finds a book about fire engines. It's like, I want to learn more about fire engines. This is a this is a high school library, right? Yes. Now, I'm I, I, judging by all the libraries I've been in in my life. Okay, so like one hundred five. It's uh, a lot. I don't I don't think a high school library is gonna have detailed books about the specifications of fire engines. I'm just saying, like, why does why does it have a book on fire engines specifically? Fire engines. So. An entire book on fire engines. Who so writes the, an entire book on fire engines? So the book she had was a, like, vehicles at work book. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's fire engine and a steamroller and all this, you know, that, a kid's book. That makes significantly more sense. I, th- I thought you meant she was reading, like, a 500-page manual on fire No, 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 no. She's reading, like, a kid's book on fire trucks. <laughs> Her love uh, of fire trucks is pure and innocent. In any case, now we meet our target for this conquest, Shiomiya Shiori, who is uh, the quiet and shy student librarian who loves reading so much she is able to block out all external stimuli in order to engross herself in her books. She's okay. very good at her job, though. Um, and when Elsie asks, she procures all 458 books that mention fire trucks in the library. Wow. Yeah. They let, they let people check out 458 books at once? No. No, she just, uh, she got all of them because Elsie's like, hey, are there, where can I find books about fire trucks? And since Shiori is not good with people... She couldn't just, she was unable to just say, oh yeah, they're over there, uh, in that shelf over there. She she had to go get all of the books for her. So it'd be a pain to reshelve. Oh yes, absolutely. But, you know, she likes the library, so she's like, ah, I don't care. And so, the important thing about this arc is that she doesn't talk a lot out loud. Instead, we hear her mo- inner monologue a bunch. Oh, so this is where that clip yes. of just like some quiet girl like whispers yeah, screaming. <laughs> okay, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Um, one thing that her internal monologue reveals is that she's apparently read every book in the library. And for context, this is a three-story library, like huge. What high school do they go to? I think it's a private high school because they have to wear uniforms and they're really fancy looking. That sounds epic. Three-story library. Yeah. 
I don't even think that I don't even think the, the local library I've ever been to has been three stories. <laughs> I think the most stories I've seen is like two. I'd have to check how many stories my school has. <laughs> I don't think it's three though. It's a big library. <laughs> In any case, um, kind of a just a note about Shiori's. Uh, personal moments when, when we see her like in her own head is that some of sometimes it feels like she's in a witch's labyrinth of like a book loving witch like a, a Madoka witch yeah that's, I, was, I was trying to think of a, of a proper reference to make there uh, sorry I should have mentioned Madoka yeah it's a Madoka witch's library couldn't think of one you call yourself a Madoka fan? I mean, there's so many references to make there. Fair enough. In any case, um, so upon realizing that he can't use game logic to hear Shiori's thoughts out loud, Kama declares the conquest impossible. Wait, what? Basically, so in games, usually, you can, for some characters, like, you can see their inner thoughts sometimes. So, like, if a character's thinking, oh, what a weirdo, you'll hear, like, you'll see it in parentheses, they say, oh, what a weirdo. It's, it's plot contrivance, I guess. I don't know. But basically, but since she doesn't talk, he's not able to get any uh, information out of her to use for the conquest. Has he considered learning more about her as a person? Well, that is kind of what I'm talking about when I say data. He has to know what her issues are. What her personal biases and whatnot are. How does she feel about spam? The food or the internet phenomenon? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm using a facetious example, but... He does get that specific sometimes. In any case, um, so when he goes to the library to go, like, scope it out, because he's still going to do it. He's just going to bitch the whole time. So Shiori is gathering books for disposal. One is little too high on a too high of a shelf, so Shiori loses her balance, and Kama catches the book, and Shiori goes to thank him, but because she was looking at the title of the book when she was like running the scenario through her head, she ends up saying Thankonomics. Was the book Freakonomics? P Principles of Economics. Oh. <laughs> and she is mortified by this. And she walks away. She's just thinking like, please forget this ever happened. <laughs> And then came was like, you know, physical books aren't necessary. Let's just digitize them all and get rid of libraries altogether. Them's fatten words. <laughs> Seriously. Because Shiori has a whole internal monologue with herself. She musters up the willpower to call him out on his bullshit. Which manifests in her calling him stupid in one of the greatest moments in anime of all time.
I've only watched like the first two episodes of this show, and even I know the moment. Absolutely, and for for those listening to the episode, you probably just heard it because I just snuck it in there <laughs> right after I said that. It's it's hilarious. In any case, so later Doesn't she followed up with another one later or something. Yes, she does. Yes, she does. <laughs> it's also adorable. Anyway, so later, Shiori is attending a uh, library committee meeting where they uh, announce that a the library will be soon getting a media room for CDs and DVDs. And meanwhile, Kama's sitting nearby writing in a book, which Shiori notices. And she's like, don't write in library books, even if you are correcting incorrect information in them. It was some, like, game history book, I think. And he was, like, correcting the timeline. In any case. So he here's when he shits on books again, so she calls him an idiot. <laughs> she she does successfully call him an idiot, but it's, <laughs> it's hilarious, because she can't really talk out loud. And so then the next day, Kame is writing in another book at the library, and Shuri takes it from him again. But this time it's his book, not her, not the library's book. And she flips, she ends up flipping around her inner and outer monologues. In instead of like saying sorry, um, my bad, she says, "You're trash. Never come to the library ever again." I mean, that's that appropriate reaction. I feel at that point. Yeah. Okay. So now the next day. He comes back and he's playing games in the library. And uh, he actually manages to communicate with her by praising the uh, the quietness of the library. Please tell me he's wearing headphones to play his games. Yes. Okay. That, he's okay. either wearing headphones or has it muted. Yeah, he's not playing it out loud. Don't be ridiculous. This is dating sims we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, sometimes he straight up pulls out a vo Virtual Boy headset and uh, VR sims his dating sims for some reason. What advantage does a VR dating sim have over a normal one? That is a very good question, especially when it doesn't have any controls. It's just, it's like, I think it's just for blocking out the real world <laughs> because he doesn't care about the real world in any case. So after he uh, is able to communicate with her, he sees her rip up, rip up a piece of paper and storm off. And upon re reconstructing the page, it is revealed to be a notice of books to dispose of to make room for the new media room. In any case, the next day, she goes out, buys a bunch of good luck objects, like a bamboo tree that you uh, write messages, write messages and then tie them to the tree. So, using all these good luck objects, she gathers a bunch of books and then barricades herself in the library to, basically, she's protesting the, uh, the creation of the media room, and she doesn't really know how to talk to people, so she goes overboard a lot. Yeah. So, while the library committee tries to get into the, uh, to the library... Kama sneaks in by falling down a hole in the ceiling that he had Elsie drill. 
What? So, I forgot to mention, her Raiment is magical and can do pretty much anything from drilling a hole in a ceiling to projecting uh, information on it to uh, turning the entire track team's shorts into bloomers and so on and so forth. In any case. So, Kima and Shiori hang out in the library for a bit. And then the library committee shuts off the power. The books around the uh, librarian's desk where they were camping out fall on them. And, like, lightly bury them. Like, not really bury them, but... In any case. Uh, Shiori is like, I don't want to talk to people. And Kima's like, no, you do want to talk to people. But you're too afraid to. And so Kama gets out of the books, the book pile, because he's like, I can talk to people. I just don't want to. And then Shiori is like feeling herself falling deeper and deeper into depression and whatnot. And she keeps trying to grasp at uh, the courage to talk to people. and But she just can't do it. And eventually Kama reaches his hand in and pulls her out of the... Uh, the pile of books is like I will be your courage and then they kiss and uh, recover the lost soul alright I forgot to mention like when she's having her like depressive spiral she has a hallucinate well, maybe not a hallucination but like an imagination spot where she sees all of the books in the library fall off the shelves and bury her I have one question. Yes. Does she face any repercussions for arranging a Polish hostage situation? <laughs> a what? Polish hostage situation. Anyone comes in and I shoot myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that not basically what she did? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, but no. No, she does not. Mostly because when the library committee president's like, oh, I'm going to give you a talk or two. She's like, I think we should have a discussion about the media room. I kind of went overboard here. I think it would, yes. be, better, I think it would be better if we talked this out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's fine. But don't do it again. <laughs> In any case. And so uh, afterwards, Shiori is writing a story about what happened, although she can't remember what happened Ooh. in any case episode 12 is a breather episode and the end of the season or yeah i guess this yeah, is the, the end of the season. first season so basically kama takes some free time he finally snaps he takes some free time to play a shit ton of dating sims we get to see his god of conquest mode a state in which he is able to play six games simultaneously at ridiculous you know, speed. You'd think a guy whose life turned into a dating sim would want to get away from dating sims in their free time. Fair. But, I mean, this is his life. He's actually able to play up to 12 at once. Depending if there's like no mini games and whatnot. So that's cool. So, uh, after... One point when he... So, also, I forgot to mention, he doesn't just have the PSP. He has every game console. 
every game console. Every single one. X or Y Box three sixty, PF three, uh the brand, the bland name Nintendo, um, and Atari Jaguar. Does he have the Soldier Boy games console? <laughs> no, because I think that came out after this show did. But yeah, no, he has every games console, and at one point he actually uh, he accidentally destroys five of them because he was going too fast, I guess. In any case, once he fries those consoles, he decides to up the ante by playing 24 games at once. So, important thing about his God of Conquest mode is that for every hour in this state, his life is shortened by three years. Wait, so... I feel like he'd be dead already. Yeah, he would. It- it doesn't actually shorten your life. It just makes you feel like you want to die. <laughs> and again, he does this for fun? Yes. <laughs> he does this for fun. <laughs> to be fair, I'm one to talk. <laughs> I basically turned War Thunder into my second job at one point. And then you quit. And then you went back. And then you quit. And then you went back. Yeah. Yeah. And then you quit, and now you're back. <laughs> In any case, um, so after an unknown number of hours pl- playing 24 games at once, he has cleared his entire backlog, except for one game. But he is nearly on the edge of collapse. Suddenly, he hallucinates waifus from all the games he's played, is able to finish the game, and is taken to the world of games by his waifus. He sings the ending for this episode. He's Did a... he die? Did no. he suffer a heart attack and die from, we... from just gaming for like 24 hours straight? We wouldn't have a season two if he did. But uh, he, gets, he gets isekai'd. <laughs> <laughs> that is... This is... You know what? I need. I would need to double check when this came out because I'm pretty sure it came out before isekai was a thing. Remember, weebs don't die. They just get reborn in another world. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so going to season two. Good news is, this season has... The season is not as good as the season one, in my opinion. Which is kind of unfortunate. But on the plus side, it does mean... I don't know what that means. I don't think there's a plus side to that. I suppose on one hand, the the opening for season one and season two are both really good, in my opinion. Like, same level. No quality drop. Which is very impressive. You don't see it that It is a lot. very impressive. Okay, so, season two. Episode one and two cover the Karate Conquest. So, Kasuga Kusunoki is a successor to a martial arts school and captain of the school's girls karate club. And within two days of her becoming captain, everyone else in the club had quit. And she's able to punch a hole straight through ten wooden boards. Normally they snap. In any case, uh, so basically her thing is she secretly likes cute things, 
but her training requires her to purge all of this stuff from her heart, uh, leading to her manifest, leading to the manifestation of her love of cute things and femininity as a separate entity. And then, so they have her do a bunch of like things that she think is weak, so that that part of her will uh, be expelled from her body, so that she can fight it and beat it up. But she ends up, like, making peace with it, allowing her to be both someone who enjoys cute things and be a badass karate master. At one point, she almost throws a cat off a third-story balcony. So let me get this straight. She was about to punt a cat to its death. (laughs) Yes. Because she couldn't reconcile the fact that she's allowed to have more than one personality trait. Yes. All right, just making sure. <laughs> okay, um, so then episode three and four cover the Hakwa incident. The, the Hakwa incident? Did they have to call in the UN for that one? The Hakwa incident? <laughs> I mean, eh. So basically, Hakwa is Elsie's classmate from hell and another member of the Loose Souls team. And she's actually higher ranked than Elsie. She has purple hair and a purple rhymant. And also, if you take away the H, what does that spell? Hakwa? Yeah, take take away away the the H. H. Oh, (laughs) goddamn. She is just as useless. Because not only has she failed to capture a single loose soul in her entire time as a loose souls member, where Elsie has already captured five in two months, she actually ends up getting possessed by one that she failed to catch. And her her issue is kind of like... She was a really good student, but she's really bad at her job. The main reason to watch this arc is that uh, it has some pretty neat world building... Like the fact that the loose souls are actually the souls of ancient demons sealed away uh, after the battle between uh, the uh, the old and new demons. And also, if a loose soul fully matures inside the heart of a human, that demon is reincarnated as that human's offspring. Fun stuff. So now here, here the good part of Season 2 is the Chihiro Conquest. Episodes 5 through 7. I mentioned her back when I talked about episode 2. So, full name, Kosaka Chihiro. She is ridiculed by Kema as a background character, and she teases him likewise. So, upon realizing that she's his target, he gets very annoyed. And then after realizing she likes someone else, he declares the conquest impossible. Like that other time? Yes. However, she got rejected. So, he feels empathy for her. He's like, damn it, she's all depressed. I gotta be nice to her. No, you don't. (laughs) You can very easily not be nice to her. (laughs) He snaps out of it when she reveals that she does this like every other day or every week or so. She falls in love with some new guy. Um, 
and confesses to him like immediately and then immediately gets rejected (laughs) and it's just crush after crush after crush (laughs) and so uh Kama insults her for her lack of clubs her inability to try hard and her obsession with chasing after boys Chihiro turns it around on him insulting him for his lack of clubs as well his his misanthropy and his obsession with games and she caps it off by calling him a cockroach and apparently the cockroach insult hit him hard enough that he (laughs) like on screen it looks like he's turned into a cockroach and scuttled out of the room I should probably mention this show uses a lot of uh like Visual, visual humor gags. yeah and cutaways as well more in season one than season two in any case because uh she insulted him he fully withdraws to the real world retreating to, into his games to the point that he forgets to eat and ends up collapsing in the halls at school and so at his lowest moment takahara ayumi his first conquest shows back up to uh, pick him up, dust him off, and uh, give him give him some food because he's kind of been starving himself. <laughs> she uh, mentions how she kind of gets uncomfortable when Chihiro makes fun of Kema, and Elsie confirms to Kema that while she doesn't have any memories of the conquest itself, she was still changed by her interactions with him, and so she's still you know different in. We'll talk about this in season three. We'll talk about this in season three. I get the feeling that in season three, everything changes. Kind of. So anyways. So basically, Kema and Ayumi were supposed to be doing the sweeping up in class that day. But Ayumi had Chihiro take her place so that uh, Kema and her could make up. And... She does apologize for calling him a cockroach. She's uh, when she notices her re- her most recent crush in the hallways. She starts like pining after him and thinking like, "Oh man, I should get him like a gift or something because I heard his birthday's coming up." And Kama's uh, like, "Come on, what data do you have on this guy? Do you even have a plan for this? Or are you just blindly running into this?" So she uh, challenges him to walk his uh, his talk and uh, prove to her that he can strategize a way for her to uh, date her crush. And uh, her, her personal life is kind of sad, actually, because she doesn't do anything at home. She just kind of flips through TV channels and calls up friends on her to- on her phone. How terrible. It's well because she doesn't do anything. It's just watching random. She doesn't like pay attention to the TV. It's just like it's on to be on, right? Has she considered trying to develop a hobby? We'll get to that in a second. Okay, so the next day, Kamen realizes that if Chihiro's in love with someone else, all he has to do is uh, help her with her own conquest. And then you can, and then have that guy fill her uh, the emptiness in her heart, and he can ex he can release the loose spirit that way. 
He do- he doesn't have to be the one she falls for. Okay. So this entire time he could have just been playing matchmaker and that would have worked just as well. Absolutely. But I mean, in, in the other cases, there wasn't like anybody who the character obviously liked, so he wasn't able to. And in any case, he never thought about it before this point because that's not a plot in his dating sims. In any case, he puts his full support behind the conquest. He meets up with her and uh, reveals his plans and his data. So the first step is to give her a cup of hot co- or hot tea and push her into the hallway, colliding with her crush and spilling hot tea all over him. So his plan to get them to fall in love is to induce burns in the third degree. <laughs> yes. I don't think it was that hot, but yes. But in any case, um, she's very skeptical of his methods. But after her crush notices her the next day, she's like, oh shit, Kama might actually know what he's doing. <laughs> so she goes all in on uh, following his plans. But she ends up just getting really bored with it. And prefers to chat with Kama about stuff like TV and random facts about rain. Random facts about the rain. Well, the fact, the thing she mentions is like, apparently Americans don't use umbrellas when it rains. Which All I want right, to call bullshit on. That is 100% horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, she, she, she's just shooting the shit, basically. She prefers to just shoot the shit than actually do anything. And so he's very forceful because they, they've been doing very well, making a lot of progress. And he, he says to her very matter-of-factly, you are going to confess your love tomorrow. And so the morning of the confession, she takes her she takes her time getting to school she she stops by a convenience store to get some steamed pork buns. So meanwhile, Kama is planning, uh, planning out the confession on the roof. She shares when she gets there. She shares one of the pork buns with him. And then when he tries to discuss the idea, like the the plan, she's like, "Oh well, maybe we should call it off." I, I don't I don't actually like him all that much. And then he calls her out. I'm not being serious about anything. And her uh, response is basically very upset. Why should I care about anything? Like, I'm not good at anything. So why why should I take anything seriously? Why do I feel like 90% of the, like, romance option characters in this show have the exact same emotional issues? I mean, they don't. In any case, Kama reflects on his his mistakes and takes off after her because she ran off. And uh, oh wait, she ran off to South Africa. No, what? Why would I say that? I that's what I heard. What? No, what, I heard just... something. I heard something about South Africa, and she ran off. I wait. Did she run off to South Africa? <laughs> no. Okay. He reflects on his mistakes and then takes off. Right after her because she ran off 
I have no idea where I heard South Africa in that sentence. Okay, that's really weird. In any case, he finds her at the, like a big touristy ship thing. I don't really know what it is. Cruise I ship? I guess like the USS Lexington or something. That The, the equivalent of that, but older. Okay. Um, and so when they get there, they talk a bit. And uh, she's like, I always thought we were kind of similar, you know, because you don't really pay attention to, to reality. He corrects her saying like, yeah, I, I chose to give up on reality, but I haven't given up on myself. He still has pride, I guess. <laughs> that time he accidentally almost starved himself to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically her big issue is that she wants to shine. She wants to be someone. And she doesn't think she can be someone, so she would prefer to just hang out with people who are someone and try and, like, siphon some of their someoneness onto herself. And then. So he ends up convincing her that she can be someone. And they recover the loose spirit and Chihiro is cured and so she ends up uh, afterwards deciding to invite Elsie to join her band that she she's uh, band. forming she's forming it Elsie's like oh, I don't know how to play any instruments and Chihiro's like that's fine I don't know how to sing <laughs> and she walks home that day strumming an air guitar and then she got hit by a bus? No. This is not an isekai. I'm just saying, I want something to happen. Things are happening. I'm just glossing over all the tiny stuff. Which is kind of also, like, all of the important stuff. Unfortunately. This is... It, it's... Uh, God damn it. <laughs> it uh, it's not a plot-driven show. It's very character driven i think in any case this is probably my favorite arc of the show okay uh, um just i like it a, a whole lot and also fun fact chihiro is voiced by narcosan interesting yeah same voice actor very 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 fascinating aspect in any case on to episode eight which is a breather episode uh the first half has Elsie tasked by Kama to go and acquire a game for him. She fails. Um, admittedly, she stuck to her training. He, he, he trained her well, perhaps too well. Um, and so she, uh, she was told more expensive is always better. And so she got the most expensive version of the game she was looking for. But then she saw an even more expensive version behind the counter, and she bought that instead. Turns out it was an anime based on the game. Wait, so... So instead of buying the game, she just accidentally bought a DVD? Yeah, a DVD box set. <laughs> don't, you just, don't you just love it about Japan, where a DVD box set costs more than a video game? Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then in the second half, uh, Hakwa shows up 
to write a report on the loose soul she caught in her uh, in the Hakwa incident. And she she decides to write her report as a uh, scale model, which is very strange. <laughs> but I guess it worked out in the end. Like I said, this is a breather episode. Nothing really happens. Fun fact, uh, Kama's parents are not divorced yet. Oh, so that's still going on. Apparently, um, his mom called off the divorce. Like, the divorce proceedings or whatever. When she realized that he doesn't actually have an illegitimate child. See, I don't know. I'm assuming he doesn't actually have an illegitimate child. He doesn't. Elsie is not his No, I'm saying, I mean, theoretically, it is possible. Yes, it is possible, but it he doesn't have one. In any case, they're not divorced yet, so that's cool. So 9 through 11 cover the teacher conquest. So Nagusa Jun, 21 years old, is the new student teacher at his school. She's a fan of pro wrestling. And basically she just tries to uh, make friends with him, I guess. Okay. Because she thinks, well, she correctly deduces he has no friends and that he just plays games all day. She's like, I will turn him into a normal, well-adjusted person. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> and apparently she uh, she did the same thing with a bunch of other students where she would like hear about their problems and then be like, like one, one student's like, oh yeah, I'm not really good at running. So she's like, hey, you want to go jogging with me? And some other stuff. And then she turns out to have like issues related to that um, with the uh, with the school basketball team she was the captain of. She was really overbearing there as well. So she has unresolved issues for that. And But they work through it. And uh, I'm not a fan of this arc all, overall. It's worth it just for the meme. Just for the meme? Well, there's a single meme extracted from this arc in either the anime or the manga but basically she's like hey wouldn't you rather go play with your friends to Kema and he looks at her and just like friends <laughs> okay yeah that was funny yes okay so now episode 12 so as tradition for this series episode 12 is a breather episode where Kama plays a game with a poorly drawn heroine. That's the entire episode. Actually, no, it's not the entire episode. That's the first half. So the the the, the part the, the plot of the first half is just him staring at a poorly drawn JPEG. Basically, yes. <laughs> I I will send you the picture of it. What the I'm pretty sure that's the only picture in the game. <laughs> Of the heroine. Why is she striking a T-pose? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is she going for a hug? I don't know. That that's the only pose she's shown in when we see the video when we see the screen. <laughs> is she spinning around like a Disney princess? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Is she about to blast off and return to her home planet? <laughs> Quite possibly. 
in any case, that's what she looks like, and it's <laughs> it's hilarious because it because the game actually turns out to have a really well written story and um like be fun to play. Apparently, so it's so it's the age old, it's the age old debate over how how bad of gra- how bad can graphics make you not like a good story and good gameplay? Yes, which the answer is not at all. <laughs> Yeah. I'll play a game made in a spreadsheet if it's fun. And you, I have. And you are currently doing that. Yes. In any case. So the second half of the episode, the creators of the game he's become obsessed with email him. And they're like, hey, we we heard you're the god of conquest. So we wanted to ask you for input on what we should like put into our new dating sim. And we will follow your uh, whatever you say exactly 100% to the letter. And so he has like a mental battle against himself for like what to like what exactly he wants out of a dating sim from story to character to cliches and so on and so forth. Uh, there's an extended Gundam parody at one point. But, uh, if it, but ultimately he writes back to them with just uh, just a simple... Please make a good game. And I can respect that. I, I probably would have said, hey, maybe invest a bit in the art department. Step one, have an art department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. But hey. Um, also, he sings the ending for this season as well. But uh, I guess they got him singing lessons. Because he sounds significantly better than uh, season one. And then at the end of the season, we get a sequel hook for the next season with a bunch of other potential conquests. Very exciting. But we'll have to wait until I cover season three to see how that turns out. (sighs) Okay, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) That's the first two seasons of The World God Only Knows. Yeah, I mean... You, you you tried getting me to watch this show quite some time ago. Yes, I did. Uh, did not go for it. Yeah, that's fair. It is not for everyone. Certainly. Watch two episodes. <laughs> as, as 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 is usual. Watch two episodes. Three episodes. Three is the normal. I watched three. three ep- no, we watched two, but the normal is three. Whatever. In any case. In any case. Yeah. So like I said at the beginning of recapping season two, it's a lot weaker than season one. Uh, there's fewer arcs that I'm interested in, personally. But overall, the show is really, really good. Uh, like the visual and cutaway gags are really good. Uh, and I would say that the production quality is excellent overall story-wise i mean i like it it's probably not a not a show for everybody but if you like i suppose maybe it's like for someone who was really into harem anime for a while and then kind of got tired of that because you know, harem anime have a similar setup to this, but it's they're adding 
one girl after another, whereas this is one girl, and then we never see them again, or something like that. But they're not in, a, they're not supposed to be in a relationship with the protagonist anymore. <sighs> in any case, um, yeah, the world God only knows, season one and two. Go check it out. Okay, um. I don't feel like doing a fancy Discord ad, so we'll just uh, say go check out the Discord and follow us on Twitter, which uh, both of those, links to both of those are going to be in the description of the episode. And the Twitter handle is also at Anime Stroganoff, obviously. I can't believe that was untaken. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's just like, so much, so many Stroganoff-related user tags, and that one wasn't taken. Who knew? In any case, until next time, I've been Lilith. And I've been Eli. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>